0: God um, most of you know that at any given time there are people within our body they're going through various trials and tribulations and challenges and last week as the elders prayed over people in this body many people came forward who are walking in valleys at this time I, I want us to remember uh, Melissa Claiborne and her family where is Melissa back there luke and melissa and their children friday about 11 a.m melissa's mom passed at tahoe forest hospital after a five-year battle with uh, with brain cancer and we just pray for the grace of god to surround that family and we will be doing a memorial service later this week and uh, just ask for your prayers of comfort and grace upon that family also last sunday uh Bob and Cheryl Stull, who are part of this church, I know Bob got to church and the tears were standing in his eyes because he has a little grandson that was on his way to the hospital. And uh, that little grandson, Porter, has a blood disorder that uh, when he gets an infection that most people can fight, he can't. And it's been a long week and he's been back and forth to the emergency room. But in I mean, this is so right on with what we're going to be talking about this morning. Um, in all that, some crazy stuff happened, didn't it, Bob? You want to come and take a couple minutes and share with the body what God has done at the stall House this week?
1: Uh, wow. Well, well, first of all, I really appreciate all you guys uh, praying for my family. <laughs> Little Porter is uh, 20 months old, you know, and he he can't fight infections. So, uh, you know, it says in the Bible that you got to pray and ask the Lord to, you know, intervene. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes uh, Satan comes against you, and and you feel like your prayers are, are not going past the ceiling. And you just pray and you pray and you pray and you and you, you want your you want his your will to be his will to heal a little boy. So Cheryl's been going down to Reno, and every time the phone rings and it's Sarah, we kind of get all nervous. And if little Porter has a fever of of a hundred point four, he's in the hospital. So he's been in the hospital this last uh, week. Three times in the emergency room, and they load him up with uh, antibiotics. You know, and then the emergency rooms have more diseases in them than Sarah's house does. Sarah has to keep this house absolutely spotless. When the older son comes home from school, he's seven, little Brody. He's got to take off his clothes and take a shower and change his clothes, and and you know you have to wash your hands and and if and. If I have a sniffles, I can't even go down there. You know, man. I don't want the little kid getting sick. So, this few days ago, I was you know answered the phone and this uh, fellow goes, "Hey, I, I, you got you got you guys got any uh, chemicals for spas? You know, because I fix spas and hot tubs." And I go, "Yeah, I got some chemicals." He goes, "Hey, I'm I'll be right over. I need to get some." So I didn't think too much about it and this guy pulls up he's got his wife in his car you know and they come up the driveway and and I instantly kind of thought this guy's a pretty cool guy he uh, remarked about my wind chimes and stuff and and he saw my fishing pole and he fishes and I fish and so we started bonding and and he noticed my guitar silhouettes on my porch railing you know and I told him I had a blues band and he goes oh yeah my wife and I play blues and 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 we went to Juilliard, and and we're both accomplished pianists. And my wife plays the flute and stuff. And and, you know, so I took them up to the band room and showed them all the memorabilia and stuff. And and something just led me to start talking about Porter. So I told them, you know, that Porter's having a hard time, you know, and I've been praying and praying. And he goes, uh, my wife and I are Christians. We're both Christians, you know. So we we'll be praying for you. You want to pray? And I go, yeah, okay. And I go, man, I don't know what's going to happen with this little kid, man. You know, the doctors—they don't know how to take care of it. You know. He goes, he goes. I uh, I happen to work at Stanford University, and. Uh, I'll talk to my colleagues and we'll get Porter in there and we'll uh, see what we can do for Porter. (laughs) The Lord answered my prayers, you know, and I just got down on my knees and cried because (laughs) you just, your heart just goes out to these kids, you know. They're just little kids and they're hurting. And, you know, I was praying, God, don't take me, man, you know. I'm pretty wore out, you know <laughs> so you know, but the Gideons are praying for Porter because Pam called him up, <laughs> so there's probably thousands of people praying for Porter and I appreciate all you guys' prayers for Porter. thanks a lot. praise God
0: about the primer for prayer that we find within our Bibles, which is the Psalms, or we call it the Psalter. And this morning, I would like to begin our time together by standing together, and since the Psalms are a litany of one prayer after another, I would like to start our time together this morning in God's Word in Psalm 40, and we'd like to use this. As our opening prayer this morning, Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us, None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. This morning... I will probably break every rule of homiletics that there is known to man. Homiletics is the the art of sermon preparation and preaching that you learn in seminary and in Bible school. And uh, I'm probably going to wreck a few of those rules this morning. Because following Pastor Jesse's message last Sunday... I have felt led to share with you something from my heart this morning, some things that I have learned about prayer in my walk with Christ. Last Sunday, Pastor Jesse finished preaching through the book of James with a call to this congregation to prayer. Turn with me, if you would, back to James chapter 5. We're going to read once again the the words that Jesse read to us last Sunday. James chapter 5, verse 13. We read these words. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. There is a verse in the book of Luke that has been a verse that has amazed me. I've spent many hours contemplating it over the years. Luke 11, 1 says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. What is it about this that amazes me? I've been amazed by the fact that after walking with Jesus and after hearing him preach, And after seeing all the miracles that he performed, that the disciples did not ask him to teach us how to do miracles or how to preach. They asked him, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Consciously or subconsciously, they linked the power of Jesus' ministry to his prayer life. For they often found him, especially according to Luke's Gospel, they often found Jesus praying alone. They often got up in the morning and he was nowhere to be seen. And as they went out and searched, they would find him praying. Many times he had gotten up and gone out and prayed all night long. But Jesus, the the, God-man, God in the flesh, for his ministry to succeed, he had to pray. And if he had to pray for his ministry to succeed, how much more we. And the disciples somehow connected all of this. His power in preaching and his power in miracle working was linked to his prayer life. 47 years ago, I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've prayed a lot of prayers in that 47 years. And yet, in many ways, I feel like a toddler taking its first shaky steps when it comes to the subject of prayer. And it may not be too far of a stretch to tell you today that I've learned more about prayer in the last year than I had in the previous ten. I've come to understand that everyone prays at one time or another. Having been created in the image of God, it is one of our most primal human instincts. If you don't believe me, watch what happens around you When individuals are jolted by by either a stab of pain or a rush of beauty and they shout out, oh my God. In that moment, the cry may be praise. In that moment, the cry may be a complaint. In that moment, the cry may be a curse. But no matter, it's still prayer. Prayer. When the deep center of our lives are exposed, we unthinkingly revert to our first language, and that is prayer. Sometimes it's pretty, and sometimes it's not. Renowned American author and noted atheist, Thomas Paine, from his deathbed, these were his last recorded words. Oh Lord, help me. Oh Christ, help me. What have I done to suffer so much? What am I saying? There is no God. Isn't this interesting? As he is dying, as his life is passing before him, he's crying out because the primal instinct of a creature created in the image of God is to cry out to its creator. And he's crying out, Oh Christ, help me. Oh Lord, help me. And then he reverts back to his lifelong practice from his writings and from his lectures. And he goes, what am I saying? There is no God. He died as an infidel. The French philosopher Voltaire, from his deathbed, which was such a miserable scene that the woman who was nursing him at his deathbed said, I pray I never have to watch another infidel die. As Voltaire cried out, I am abandoned by God and man. Oh Christ, oh Jesus Christ, give me six months to live and then I shall go to hell and you shall go with me. But what were his cries in his final moments? Oh Christ, oh Lord Jesus Christ, and then he he'd revert back to everything he had banked on. Voltaire at one time said he would undo Christianity with his pen. He would single-handedly bring to an end what 12 apostles had begun 2,000 years ago. The thing that is really ironic is after Voltaire died, his house was purchased by the Swiss Bible and Tract Society. And they spend years printing Bibles and religious literature in Voltaire's house. Guess who always gets the last word? A most disturbing prayer is found in Psalm 137. Here, an Israelite captive who has been taken captivity, forcibly taken, rooted up from his homeland in Israel, and taken to Babylon. Psalm 137 is a prayer of such a man... And what is he praying for? He's praying that one day Babylon will be destroyed as Babylon had destroyed Jerusalem. This is a prayer of a man who saw the soldiers of Babylon slice open the bellies of pregnant women and bludgeon children to death. And in his prayerful fantasy about Babylon's day of destruction, He prays, Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rocks. I read that and I'm stopped in my tracks. I don't have a place to pigeonhole that prayer. Aren't prayers supposed to be reverent and respectful? Well, I'm here to tell you today, I do not believe that God is nearly as concerned about reverence and respect in our prayers as he is about honesty. Crying out in honesty. We can be reverent and respectful and not believe a darn thing we said. You see, I fear that sometimes we've strayed too far afield from the prayer book that God has given us. A prayer book right in the middle of His Holy Word. The Psalms are primer for prayer. The Psalms are different than any other writing in the Bible. Each Psalm is a snapshot of a human response to life. We read responses of joy, Responses of worship, responses of thanksgiving, responses of anger, responses of rebellion, responses of complaint, responses of hatred. The book is filled with oh my God moments. In the Psalms we read responses of joy, praise, thanksgiving, and worship we read responses of anger, loss, abandonment, and suffering. In their original form, these psalms are very earthy, they're very raw, they're very rough. They're far from the genteel, smooth, and polished rhymes of King James English. The psalms are not as much God speaking to man. There is is little doctrine in the book of Psalms where we can go other places and get teaching, thus saith the Lord. There's little doctrine in the book of Psalms. Because they are not so much God speaking to man, but man crying out to God. Praising God, thanking God, accusing God, and shaking their fists at God. The name most closely associated with the Psalms is David, Israel's shepherd king. David's life is the most extensively narrated life in all of the scriptures. We know more about David than anyone else in the Bible as far as what is written about this man. We know about his childhood. We know about his growing up. We know about his family. We know about his friends. We've read about his enemies, his victories, his defeats, his sins, and his salvation. And there's nothing held back. Like goods on display in the department store window. It's all there for us to see all there for us to study you see the entire range of the human condition is laid out for us in the narration of King David's life but along with David's life story we're given his prayers and I want you to note this these prayers were written inside the story while it was unfolding for the most part they aren't prayers that we get to the end and everything's now hunky-dory. For the most part, we're in the middle of the crucible. We're in the flame. And it's David crying out. This is where I do like some of the Bibles that some of you have studied through the chronological order of the Bible, the way the Bible was laid out originally, or the the, the storyline of the Bible. The thing I love when you get to Chronicles and Kings and David's life is you'll read of an event where King Saul is hot on the tail of, of David and he's ready to kill him and be done with him. And then it'll say, before you go on to the next chapter in Kings or Chronicles, it'll say, go to Psalm this. And there you get to read the psalm what was really coming out of David's gut and out of his heart in the midst of the situation that he was in. Whether it was a time of celebration and joy and praise, or whether it was a time of trial and defeat and loss. It's all there for us. Therefore we find David praying praise, prayers of praise and thanksgiving, prayers of complaint and accusation. Prayers of, where were you, God, when I really needed you? Prayers of surrender to the God who is sovereign over creation. Calvin Seerveld says, the Psalms are the gut of the Bible. I like that word. From the gut. It's raw. It's rough. And it's speaking of the very core of who you are as a person. From the gut. From the gut. From the gut. In the Psalms we find the experiences of human beings before God. Human beings utterly exposed by the events of life. You know, there's times that I'm reading the Psalms that I want to apologize to, to God for David's attitude and words. You can't talk to God like that. Forgive him, Lord. He don'ts not what he does. But my friends, God is not offended by the honest response that comes from our gut when life pulls the rug out from under us. One person that helped me get down this path without thinking I was blaspheming God was my friend Philip Yancey in his book, Disappointment with God. I mean, he, he got more grief from the church over that title than, than anybody else. But the fact of the matter is, every one of us in this room have sometimes been disappointed with God. He didn't pull the rabbit out of the hat we wait we wanted him to he didn't perform up to our expectation or our liking and sometimes every one of us has sometimes have said he let me down we've had our where were you god when i needed you the most moments come on that's the truth that's the truth years ago february of 1992 My best friend, Mark Yates, was killed in an avalanche in the Manti Sal Mountains just outside of Moab, Utah. I had been pastoring this church all of seven months at that point. I hopped on a train downtown Truckee and headed for Utah where I did Mark's memorial service and spent time with his wife and two children. Mark, at that time, was the avalanche forecaster for the Manti LaSalle Mountain backcountry where people did a lot of cross-country skiing, and he would go in, he would measure the snow, check its density, and on this particular day, he was with six other men, and they were forming a hasty team so they could go for mountain rescue. He kissed his wife and two children goodbye that morning, and the next thing she knew a Grand County Deputy Sheriff was knocking at her door telling her that her husband was dead. Two or three months later, my whole family returned to Moab for some R&R. During that time, I again touched bases with Mary, and we went for a walk among the beautiful red rocks that surround Moab. It was a disturbing walk because as we walked, she was shaking her fist to the heavens. She was cursing and she was swearing. And she was giving God an earful. Out of her gut, everything came that had been stored up since Mark had died. I knew that the Holy Spirit wanted me to do one thing. Keep my mouth shut she finally came to the place that she was spent spiritually emotionally and physically and I wrapped my arms around her and I said Mary all I can say is one day the sun will shine again one day The sun will shine again. About a year and a half later, I got a phone call one day. She was working at one of the doctor's offices in Moab. She says, I don't have very long to talk, but I just want you to know, Wayne, the sun is shining again. She had met a man named Jim Grizzard. A few months later, they were married. She brought two children to the marriage, and they had two since. And uh, she's been married to Jim since 1994. And I've been thinking about that this week because at the beginning of Mary's lament was this, How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? That was the Mary I was walking with that afternoon one of the things let me share this that happened during that time she she never quit attending church and she was at church one sunday evening and they were taking prayer requests and some woman said well my children are going to salt lake city next week to spend the week with their father and i just want to pray for their safety and all this kind of stuff and another woman says don't worry dearie god will never let anything bad happen to your children And Mary came out of her chair like she'd just been shocked. And she said, that is a lie. We need more of that kind of honesty in the church. She said, that's a lie. That's a lie. I kissed my husband goodbye. He goes out the door to his job. And the next thing I know, I'm a widow and my children are orphaned. You see, my brothers and sisters, contrary to popular belief, we live in a fallen world. I've been a pastor for 42 years. I've done a lot of Christian funerals. Do you know that Christians die? They die in car accidents, they die from cancer, they die from heart attacks. One gentleman that I knew was killed in a mining accident, another in a hunting accident. Living on this earth as a Christian does not make us exempt from a broken world that surrounds us. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me. And then when the sun began to shine I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. <laughs> you see that? Now what I want you to see and I want you to note where did verse where this verse come from? Come on. Read Psalm 13, 1. Where'd this verse come from? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? The rug gets pulled out. Oh, Lord, where are you? Will you forget me forever? How long are you going to hide your face from me? And five verses later. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I start every day in the Psalms. Why? Because they remind me that I am not alone. I am not alone in my joy. I am not alone in my pain. I'm not alone in my depression. I'm not alone in my elation. I'm not alone in my anger, and I'm not alone in my loneliness. I have a litany of people that I can go to who have been where I have been, and I've watched the honesty that comes out of them in their place, in that mountaintop, in that valley deep, and I see a God who's ready to meet us wherever it may be, mountaintop or valley deep. But what he wants from us more than anything else is honesty. When I sit in the emergency room at Tahoe Forest Hospital with my arms around a young couple who's holding a very dead baby... It is not time for me to wrap my arms around and say, oh, everything's going to be all right. It's time for me to weep with them and just hold them. I don't want to put you on the spot, Kim, but I remember a night at the emergency room standing beside you and your husband's body. And a lot to say then except hold... Kim and her kids and give them to Jesus. You've walked Mary's path. I'm glad you're still in church. She didn't cash in the chips. She didn't cash out. Oh, you know, when I was a young pastor, I had all the answers. When tragedy would strike, I rode up on my white horse. And and then tragedy struck our house. And we realized the people that brought more comfort to us than anybody else were the people that just shut up and held us and wept with us. I thank God that He's given us this book this book that we can go to, this book that we can pray through, these prayers that we can pray. And they've got every emotion you're ever going to know, ever experience. And though they sound sometimes, (laughs) I don't like the way that sounded. Tell you what, if it's honest and it comes from the heart, we've got a great big God that can handle it. And he has a way of just wrapping us up. Taking our doubts and our fears and our anger making it better. I read the Psalms because in them I know I'm not alone. You see, there's days I open the Psalms and my cry is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry by day but you do not answer, and by night but I find no rest. Yep, your pastor has days like that too. And then there's other days, and I know this print's small, but you know the passage. Then there's other days that the Lord is my shepherd that I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In his message last Sunday, Pastor Jesse called us to prayer. To pray as individuals. To pray with your elders. To pray for and with one another. You know, one of the things that that passage in James says that I'm going to be writing on my blog post this week at both uh, One Another Online Dog.org and sbctruckie.com. It says, pray for one another so that you may be healed. It's an intercessor's prayer. You see, most of the time when we're in the, in the pit, all we can think about is us. The Bible says when we're going through our own stuff, pray for others. Pray for one another that you may be healed. There have been more times in my life when I've gotten out of my stuff and started praying for others in their stuff, I found that God snuck in the back door of my life and met my need while I was praying for their stuff. Crazy how he works, but that's kind of how it works. Praying with one another, praying for one another. And I may as well give a PSA announcement while we're here. You know, every Wednesday at this church from noon till one o'clock, there's a prayer group that gathers for one hour of prayer and has for 25 years. It's called Gideon's Army. And if you're ever wandering about at noon on Wednesday and you don't have a place to go or something to do, come join us. We let them in, won't we, Mavis? We won't let them in, won't we, Nancy? I'll tell you what, these two ladies, it's their prayers that sustains this ministry. Not really, but it helps. But it helps. Today, I want to invite you to jumpstart or reinvigorate your prayer life with the Psalms. I dare say that as you borrow these words that have been written by another, you will find that your words will begin to erupt from within them because you're going to come to a line that goes, I know exactly what he's talking about. And, you know, and there's some enemies that I have had, too, that I would probably like to see their head bashed against the rock. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and this is how I feel on the heels of this loss, on the heels of this gain, on the heels of this victory, on the heels of. And all of a sudden, in the midst of that psalm, it was written by another under the influence of the Holy Spirit and left here for you and me. Our own prayer begins to weave and rise heavenward. I dare say that as you pray them, your prayers will come. It's here that you will learn how to pray when peace like a river attendeth your way. It's here that you will learn how to pray when sorrows like sea billows roll saying with a old hymn writer it is well it is well with my soul let's pray Father how I thank you for the psalms because there are days that I just flat don't know how to pray. And there are days that my heart is filled with emotions that are hard to get under control. And on those days when I don't know what to say and when I don't know how to pray, I find comfort and solace in the Psalms as somebody else gives life in words to that which I'm feeling in my own heart and it's been the whole gamut Lord Jesus it's been the praises and the dances and the shoutings on the mountaintop when things couldn't be better it's been your faithfulness in walking with us when the light is not shining where we presently stand And I thank you, dear God, that you're not afraid of our honesty. You're not offended by the the words that sometimes come out that sure don't sound uh, churchy. But that you're all about honesty. Let it out, my child. And when you're spent, I'll hold you. Father, last week, Sandy and I was watching the nursery, and I went in the nursery, and uh, there was little Henry Schroeder, and he was not half camper, and when he saw me, he put out his arms to me and laid his head on my shoulder, and the cries stopped, and in a little while, it was just the, <gasps> as he settled down in my arms. And how many times, Lord, I've been in the same place that Henry was, in your arms, settling down after you picked me up and wrapped me in arms of comfort. And that's here for every person, dear God. This, this isn't a, this is a one-size-fits-all thing. And the Psalms are there. We've got them right there in our Bible. We maybe sometimes too quickly run to a Christian bookstore or something to buy prayers, and nothing wrong with those. I love reading the prayers of some of the warriors of the faith. But right there in the middle of our book are prayers inspired by you. And I pray whether today we are getting ready to lay a mother to rest, or whether we are fretting about a little grandchild who's been in and out of the hospital a lot this week or a marriage in our midst that's struggling or a family who's going through financial difficulties it's all there prayers that have been prayed by your people ready to be prayed again and again by your people. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.
1: Let's stand and respond to our God.